It is Friday, October 27th. I'm Scott Sadden. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Bills hold off the Bucks on Thursday Night Football. And the World Series underway tonight. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Bills get back on track with a win over Tampa. Game one of the World Series tonight, the Rangers hosting the Diamondbacks. We'll uh, we'll take a spin around all the football that's going on this weekend. What is the Vegas lead, though, Scott? Let's start with Thursday night football. The Bills beating the Bucks 24-18, a game that got rather interesting unnecessarily late in the fourth quarter, AJ. Yeah, the Bills. This was the best the Bills have played since the Miami game, pre-London trip. And they, the Bucks get back in the game and makes the game look closer than it was late. Uh, they have a 92-yard drive, a seven-and-a-half-minute 92-yard drive in the fourth quarter. Aided down. by two penalties on fourth downs yeah. that gave them first downs. But listen, when you when you I mean the Bills are looking at it as they're like, oh, you're gonna have a seven and a half minute drive in the fourth quarter down two scores. Okay, that works for us. Uh, but they do punch it in and get a two-point conversion. Final Miraculous score, tipped two-point conversion. 24-18 <laughs> is your final, but the only other time the, the Bucks got in the end zone was after a Josh Allen interception, a tipped ball interception, uh, and they had a, a, a 23-yard field, and uh, they, they make the touchdown happen. Other than that, the Bills' defense held up nicely. Bill's offense was far more crisp than it had been in, in prior weeks. Josh Allen did a good job with his arms and his legs. Uh, I, I think you have to feel pretty solid about where the Bills are relative to the last couple of weeks. This didn't feel like the Giants game where it's like, what is going on? What, what? They looked like the Buffalo Bills yesterday. And I, I think that's, for me, that's what I was hoping to see. I was hoping to see, I, I don't, I don't expect them to look like a top, three or four team in the league. I don't know that their their ceiling is that anymore, but they looked like a playoff team last night, which mm-hmm. is what I was hoping for. Well, through three quarters, I thought this was going to be a traditional Buffalo Bills victory, and they were going to put up 30-plus yeah. points. They took the foot off the pedal, and then the Bucks had the football, it seemed like, for the entire fourth quarter. But the biggest takeaway that I had from the game was watching the Bills pass rush just make Baker Mayfield run for his life the entire night. He was only sacked three times, but he had pressured to get constantly. pressured constantly, had to throw the ball, had to throw the ball while falling down, had to check down to Rashad White. Good call, AJ, on the same game parlay pod last night, talking about Rashad White over receiving yards. Seven catches for 70 yards for the running back, uh, who was the safety valve out of the backfield when Baker Mayfield had no time to throw the football. Yeah, I'm, I've told myself I'm not going to give out any props to clients last year. I had a great year betting the NFL sides and totals, and I had a terrible year betting props, so I've stayed away from that, or I would have I had some money on it myself. So I did not, though, but we did give it out on the same game. We gave out under rushing yards for Rashad White and over receiving. Both of those hit, unfortunately, the 16-and-a-half that got broken on the two-point conversion. By the tipped two-point conversion, yeah. yeah. Talking about that last drive, so the Bucks had a 90 90- – or a 2% chance. The Bills had a 98% chance. 10 minutes to go, down 14. They score a touchdown, get the two-point conversion, 
and they have a one percent chance. They cut their odds in half. <laughs> the very long drive. So, That's why I said the Bills weren't weren't they weren't upset that there was a seven and a half minute. And drive. it's such an epic drive for us because. Like, that's like 20 minutes of live action. We have this guaranteed plus 600 bet that's going to win. Even after they score a touchdown, it's 50-50. Yeah. It's 50-50. And And that was the best thing. Heads, whatever you need to lose. That entire drive, they didn't even look to hand the ball off. You Mm -hmm. knew they weren't. They they just kept chucking the ball, chucking the ball. And, like, I felt Oh, yeah. Rashad White was never getting it to 40. He was never seeing it again. Uh, Yeah, that's That's about as disappointing as a loss as uh, we'll have on a same-game parlay this year is my guess. And and both – both parlays lost because of the long shot with the Baker Mayfield under one and a half touchdown passes. Yeah. And then, yeah, the over on uh, 16 and a half for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Just Fourth a crazy, nine. crazy sequence of events. And also the Hail Mary at the end of the game. Like the Bucks almost came down with that football. I, first of all, I'm shocked at how rare is it that a Hail Mary just no lands, one touches it? It lands cleanly in the end zone. But then when they showed the replay, I mean, Chris Godwin, if he turns his head around, just a, like a half a second earlier and locates the football, he catches yeah, it. There's no one stopping him from catching the football except he looked up too late and didn't see it. Like, that was that was one of the weirdest Hail Mary plays that I've seen in a long time, seeing that ball just drop. And I'll be honest, as a, as a Bills fan, this it gave me uh, flashbacks, and I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be just like the Kyler Murray to the Andre Hopkins Hail Mary <laughs> in a game that – the Bills had no business losing, and sure enough, they lost. I think it was thirty-two to thirty or thirty-two thirty-one. Something. Like, I, I know it was a it was a backbreaking one or two point loss. Cardinals uh, should have won that game easily. Fourth quarter they? wins here says the hail mary was correct in giving the right team That's to win. Garbage. They were up the whole fourth quarter. I didn't. Believe Bills it. had a last minute drive to take the lead. Mac. Right, team one. That was 2020. I didn't believe in fourth quarter. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. So, AJ, how do you feel about the Bills now? Josh Allen did have to go into the injury tent last night, came out, came back in the game. Obviously, he was fine. But now they have the extended break before they go to take on Cincinnati next Sunday night. Yeah, I feel okay about them. I mean, the injuries are – I mean, that it is what it is. And you saw last night there was there was so much 11 personnel. It was almost like a throwback offense, um, you know, because Dalton Kincaid isn't really a tight end. He's a he's a receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the Bills have been so used to playing with two tight ends, now playing with almost none. It's almost four wide sets all the time. It's not what they've been doing recently, but um, – it looks like that's what their options are right now. Dawson Knox on the IR. He's not going to come back for for a while. So, I, overall, I, I feel like it's a great time to get extra rest. I worry about Cincinnati because Cincinnati's getting they, – they're off a bye like uh, last week. Uh, but I also remember that stat you said about teams after they play the 49ers. It's mm-hmm. like the worst possible time to – or the, the best possible time to catch a team is after they play the 49ers. So, I'm hoping, although I did have the Bengals as my best bet, plus three and a half, I'm hoping the Bengals – uh, hang in that game really close with the 49ers, but it's a physical, ugly game, and they leave banged up and have to go play the Bills, uh, you know, with the, looking like a mass unit. That's what I'm hopeful. Well, let's take a look at the Sunday slate for Week 8 in the NFL, and we'll go out of order here because you just mentioned that game between the Bengals and the 49ers. McKenzie, what's the latest on Brock Purdy Will he play? Are they hopeful he's going to play? Or is this going to be the Sam Darnold show? He practiced. Uh, I'm not sure where he's at in the concussion protocol, but he practiced. And everybody said, hey, wait a minute. Let me read Adam Schefter's tweet again. He said, Purdy in the concussion protocol. And based on history since 2021, 374 quarterbacks have been in the concussion protocol. No one's ever. 
No one ever said from the 49ers that he wasn't in line to play. It's, it's the lines moved to four. It was five and a half. So maybe there's a chance. And what's interesting is like we saw the play, uh, the video. It was on the, I guess, tush push yeah. or whatever type play. No flag. Like, he takes the shot in the head. No flag on that is right. And, and uh, first of all, I don't think there should be flags on that. If you're pl- if you're it's making a, a play, play a yeah. scrum. If a helmet hits a helmet, it's a flag. It's a very easy call. I mean, he's diving head first into okay, a pile then, of Okay, then people. hit him with your shoulder. Do football rules that we've established for health and safety purposes. Have you seen concussion? Well, Will Smith was in it. It was pretty good. The Tell the truth. The offensive player in this even see is <laughs> initiating the contact. Like, th- th- so I, I, but he's not. He he's was, diving forward. He was moving forward head? with his head, but that, that's nothing. To, it's not like the player had already dived forward himself and he ran into him. Well, we all know it's a dangerous play, and that's why the NFL is probably going to rule I, it. I, I seriously understand it. Every other player, if a helmet hits a helmet, and you're saying there's this one exception. Running backs run if, into the pile all the time and take helmet-to-helmet contact, and they don't, call, they don't throw flags on it. They should. I've never seen someone get hit like that in the head at running back, receiver, tight end, kicker. The problem and with the scrum like that is it's just impossible for the refs to see that. And so yeah, that's what I mean. They, they missed not, it. It's yeah, fine. They should call be it. It's impossible to see. Airborne it. refs the and over, fix all this. Yeah, <laughs> the overhead angle sees it. I think there's there's two ways this play is going to go. One, it's going to get banned for health and safety issues, or two, more likely, teams are going to start putting other players in besides quarterbacks to take those yeah. snaps from under center and push forward. Um, but if Brock Purdy plays in this game, Mackenzie, you said it. The line has already gone down to four from the five and a half that it went up with the uncertainty with Brock Purdy, but it's still not at the, what was it, three and a half that it was when it opened? Yeah, so it's saying there's a third chance. Yes. Maybe. Brock Purdy at home, coming off now back-to-back losses. Do we like the the bounce-back spot for the 49ers? I'm worried. I don't know. I, listen to me. Like not having Debo is such a huge deal to this offense. Like that, that, that's a coincidence. It's not just a coincidence. I'm trying to. I, yeah. I mean that not having Debo coincides with the two straight losses. Yeah, I, I, I think he's Purdy's kind of security blanket, uh, especially against aggressive defenses, and he he looks different without him on the field. I also think having a banged up offensive line. I still. Don't, I guess we don't know the status of Trent Williams yet either. I mean, obviously, one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Uh, these are these are important players, and the Bengals are a team that seventh in pass rush per PFF. They're going to get after you. Uh, and like I said, I, Luana Rumo with an extra week to prepare, and Joe Burrow with an extra week to get healthy. It feels like this is a good time to buy the Bengals. Burrow four, fourteen and two ATS when he's a dog of three or more. But I mean, the 49ers, I still think they're the best team in the league. So it's it, anytime you're saying, "Yep." I'm going to fade the best team in the league. Yeah. It's a little scary. Let's continue the Sunday schedule. Let's talk about the Rams at the Cowboys. Dallas, a six-point favorite in this game. McKenzie, has there been movement on this line? A little bit of Rams money. It was six and a half for much of the week. What do we think about the Cowboys at home coming after a bye week taking on the Rams? I trust the I trust the Cowboys' offense in this situation. The Rams' defense in the second half against the Steelers looked like they were running on fumes. Uh, the Cowboys, like you said, off a bye. It feels like Dallas is going to be able to put up some offense on them. I would think the Rams should be able to put up some offense against the Cowboys secondary, but Stafford, fourth highest graded QB in the league when he's kept clean, 23rd under pressure, and the Cowboys, obvious, uh, obviously, uh, they are second in the league in, in pass rush. They get after the passer pretty well. I think it's an important game for Dallas because they have Philadelphia on deck next week, and you don't want to lose the game 
that you're favored in right mm-hmm. before you play the Philadelphia Eagles because you can go from, you know, one game back in the division to now three games back yep. in the division. So this is an important win for the Cowboys. Keep pace with the Eagles, improve the five and two, and set up that matchup for next week. The Minnesota Vikings are at the Green Bay Packers, and there's been a lot of movement with this line. We're now sitting at Vikings minus one and a half. Yeah, surprising to me. I wanted to play the Vikings at a pick. I did. But but I said... Or at least I gave it out on the Dream Pod. Yeah, I said if we play the Vikings here and we fade the Packers here, we're buying the Vikings at the highest they're going to be. They just beat the freaking 49ers. Everybody said, oh, maybe the Vikings are good. The... On the other side, the Packers just lost to the Broncos. We're we're fading them at their low point. It just I couldn't get myself to do it, but I do think that the Packers are the better team. Uh, so the Vikings are. Excuse me, the Vikings are the better team. I I don't trust Jordan Love, uh, and I, I think there is there's something to Cousins coming out and saying, "Hey, I I want to be here. I'm gonna be here." Feels like that's been a calming presence over that team. And and with a win here, they're in decent shape to make the playoffs, which two weeks ago, people were like, oh, that's crazy. They're done. They're dead. They're toast. They'd be, they'd be four and four if they win this game. And they've got the Broncos, Bears, yeah. and Raiders on I the asked, schedule. Still. I asked Fezzik on Monday, would he bet the Vikings right now at plus 200 to make the playoffs? He said no. He said no. <sighs> I said yes. Okay. <laughs> Their schedule gets really easy from here if, on out. If you like them in this game, I think you got a good bet there to make the playoffs. Yeah. And it's it's amazing to see the line move. So we know the money is coming in all on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, where are we at with the Titans hosting the Falcons? Because there's a lot of quarterback uncertainty with the Tennessee Titans. What's that spread at now, McKenzie? Minus 2.7. You can bet 2.5, but you got to lay minus 120. Mm. So I guess this is telling us that it's not going to be Ryan Tannehill. Oh, I, yeah, we know it's not going to be Ryan Tannehill. What we don't know is what the what the rotation is going to look like between Willis and Levis. So apparently they're both going to play. But to me, it feels like the, the Titans are a team that are, are quitting. Uh, trading Kevin Byard this week is fascinating to me. That's wild. They're in last place in their division, a bad division. And they said, you know what? This isn't our year. So they trade their best or second best defensive player for basically a pile of magic beans uh, and say, well, well, we'll get at him again next year. It feels very unvrabel like so I'm guessing this decision came from higher than Mike Vrabel, uh, but it doesn't feel like the Titans are all that interested in winning games this season. Can I just say something about the Kevin Byard trade real quick? I don't want to get ahead of myself with the, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they take on the Commanders. Doesn't this feel very similar to last year when the Eagles acquired C.J. Gardner-Johnson yes. from – from New Orleans, yeah, and he wound up playing like a pivotal role for them in their defense. Like that's what Bayard's going to come in and do now. Like he's going to play an important role in this defense and elevate them to another level. And I, been... I think the difference is Bayard's considered like the best safety in the NFL, or yeah. one of them. So it's it's like he's already he's we know he's going to make a two time yeah. All Pro, and yeah. they, like they're missing their starting safety. So they said, "Hey, you got a good one. Yeah. How about that?" <laughs> Like it's it's wild, but like Howie Roseman does this year after year. I mean, it, it, I, why do why do other GMs pick up the phone when he calls? Stop <laughs> because they well, said he's you know going what? to win. They said you I mean, gave... knew what they were doing. They were se- <laughs> they were selling. But it's interesting because their win total at the beginning of the year was seven and a half. RJ and Fez bet them under seven and a half when we thought maybe Ryan Tannehill wasn't long for the starting position. Seven and a half right now. But do you think? I feel, I feel like we know that they're selling. They've won two games. I feel like that's an under. Do you feel like when? When the Titans GM says, okay, I'm ready to sell Kevin Byard, and Howie Roseman calls, he's thinking, ooh, I hope I can get a fifth and a sixth for my two-time all-pro safety. 
I mean, they're just they don't they don't want to pay him. That's the, that's the, yeah. when those trades happen. It's, it's, it's not, you, you know how he like, said, how he said, listen, man, your predecessor was cool. All right. <laughs> he gave me AJ Brown for like nothing. Yeah. Now you don't want to be the guy. Titans fans, you don't want to be the guy. Mess up this. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy that ruins this relationship. What happened to you, man? What happened to you, Titans? You used to be cool. Hey, hey, Titans still cool. Titans still cool. Simpsons reference there, and he says, "Fine, here's Kevin Byard." Well, fine. So we're talking about the Eagles. Let's talk about the Eagles. They're they're taking on the Commanders. The spread is now moved to seven. Am I right, McKenzie? It was at six and a half, and now it's at seven. Yes, and Bart to the future was the reference. Well done, sir. And yes. Eagles minus seven. Same spread it was when they were home. This is very confusing to me because since that game was played, our opinions on both of these teams have completely shifted, right? Eagles stayed at the Super Bowl level, maybe even gone up as a bounce-back performance from them after the loss to the Jets, right? right. Beating the Dolphins. And the Commanders has gone way, 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 way down. Well, they start so, off 2-0, and oh, and I, then when you look back in time, you say, oh, well, that was the but, Broncos and the Cardinals. In the middle of that, they beat the Falcons. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So, but they also lost by 40 to the Bears at home. That's so, the worst thing. That's the worst data point anybody's got. So I understand, like, a point and a half for home field flipping here yeah. or there, but this still does Why it doesn't make sense that the spread is the same as it was a couple of weeks ago. If anything, it's, it has to move in favor of the Eagles. I think the wheels are coming off for Washington. Uh, I, I mean, the rumors that I read this week about them potentially trading Chase Young, like we talk, what we're talking about with the Titans, it seems like that could happen here. And I know they have new ownership, but there's no evidence that the commanders have had a home court advantage, home field advantage for 30 years. No, and, and we know Ron Rivera is not going to be the coach next year. They respect yeah, him too much to fire walking. him midseason, but I think they're going to fire Jack Del Rio midseason. Oh, yeah. Like, it, they're – this team is done, and they're like Sam Howell. I, I don't think he's the guy. He's on pace to set the all-time sack record. Take it from David Carr, but I, I think they're going to keep throwing him out there because at least then they'll know he's not the guy. Yeah. So I, I think the Commanders are uh, they're an arrow down team. Let's talk about the Saints and David Carr's brother Derek taking on the Colts, where it's an even spread with the game being in the Annapolis, in the Annapolis. Uh, You're seeing Pickham? I see Pickham. What I are see, we seeing? I now? see Saints minus one at most uh, places. Saints minus one. All right. So we got what some. Are our, what do our boys at DraftKings have to say? We have Saints minus one at DraftKings. All right. Confirm. That's what we're going to go Okay, with. good. So money on the Saints in the Annapolis. What do you think about this line? I, it's not Naples, that's Maryland. <laughs> I, I I don't like the Saints here. Um, I we saw the Colts' offense against a man-heavy scheme last week in Cleveland. They go against uh, the other top man scheme in the league in the Saints, and Minshew and Steichen both have success against man defenses. Uh, the Colts' top three they have three of the top fifty receivers against man per PFF. Their best wide receiver against zone is sixty third. Like, they, they fall off the map That's strong against zone. So, I, this is a team that plays almost exclusively man, the Saints. I, I like the coaching advantage for the Colts. Uh, if the Colts can put up points on the Browns' man-to-man defense, they can do it against the Saints. So, I, I think Indy – and the other thing is, if the Saints aren't holding you down, like, if, if, if you put up a number on the Saints, they're going to lose because the Saints' offense is, is garbage. I just don't see either team scoring in this game. Uh, the Saints – Unders are just the most profitable thing you can bet right now. Six and one to the under this year. Twelve and one their last thirteen games. Fifteen and two their last seventeen games. 
Like it, that's all they do is go under. So do we tease the Colts plus seven and a half? Uh, yes. The answer is yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Home dog. Yes. Yeah, home dog. Low. <laughs> home dog. Low scoring game. The answer is yes. Yeah, that's a good call. So tease that up. Take the Colts plus the seven and a half. Uh, with a total as low as we have. The Patriots go down to Miami where it's been a house of horrors for them over the past several, several years. Miami is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, and the latest that I saw with Tyreek Hill is that, all good, I'm playing. Like, it was nothing nothing to write home about. I'll be there. Who knows what these guys – like, I feel like it's so much gamesmanship because yesterday we were hearing about, oh, Tyreek Hill might be out for some time. What does some time even mean? <laughs> does that mean, like, until tomorrow's practice? Very weird stuff. Mostert's been banged up. Obviously, Waddle was banged up last week. Uh, the, the Patriots are getting healthier, healthier though. And But the, the worry is the Dolphins just bully these bad teams. Um, I, I don't know Patriots that I— Patriots are bad? I don't know about that, man. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I will say this. Pat slowed down the Dolphins' offense early in the season. The problem is— the Pats' two best defensive players are gone now, so I don't know. I, 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 this isn't. I'm looking to fade the Dolphins more often than not. This isn't a spot where I'm going to try. Matua at home, where he is 15 and five against the spread, and I, I, yeah, I did see 17 to 20 mile an hour winds, which is, I mean, that's pro Patriot certainly. It's like you odd in Miami, it is. But you'd way rather. I mean, if you're the Patriots, you're like, oh yeah, but like, right. Let's have a windstorm game like we did against Buffalo. That'd be ideal, but uh, I, I don't know if that's enough to to make me want to back the Patriots here. Nah, not going to do it. Not nah, got that. Uh, the Jets take on the Giants at MetLife Stadium. The Giants are the designated home team for this game, but both teams will be in their own beds, in their own locker rooms, and practice at their own facilities because they share the stadium. It's cute. The Jets are three-point favorites in this game. And I heard Zach Wilson spent the bye week in Utah. <sighs> Why? Do you, do you know if they're at their own beds, or do you know if they're one of those teams that goes to a hotel outside, probably in New Jersey? Like, like a lot of teams do that. They like, want they want to make it you know, like, like a road like before the game. Yeah, like a business. I don't know. No Saturday night, like like yeah, all the Saturday yeah, night hotel walkthrough. Always did that. Yeah. Well, I know that there's the hotel. Uh, what is it? Was it in Marriott? There's the, the hotel right across the street from Giant Stadium is where the visiting teams. Uh, I think you stay. mean that live stadium. Yeah, and have their and and they, the walk the walkthroughs would be like in uh, the ballrooms. Yeah, they have like they they go into the ballroom and like you if you were there you'd see like them they, like the players are just going into an empty ballroom like doing like, like, <laughs> yeah. like walking through plays or whatever on like the Saturday night. Uh, Valuable uh, information in those ballrooms. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the the Jets or Giants do that, but do I mean, we, the Giants facility is literally in the parking lot of the stadium. The Jets is you know about a half hour away. Do we know if Daniel Jones is is out? He is still not cleared for contact. That's the thing. So um, he's out. I mean, if, if he's not cleared for contact on Friday morning, yeah, he's not playing on Sunday. I, I already could miss a long time. You know what? But Brian Dable said that when he's cleared, he's the starter. Like it's not there's oh, no yeah. there's no I get that. competition. Well, yeah, I mean, That's yeah, they've given him the worst contract ever. Yeah. Of course he's yeah. the starter. But here's what I'm gonna say. If I'm getting three and Tyrod Taylor's the starter, I like the Giants here. Uh yeah, but if Andrew Thomas is still banged up against this Jets pass rush, I mean come on, the Taylor, Giants offensive line's trash. Taylor doesn't make mistakes. And Daniel Jones is a mistake prone quarterback. The Jets best games, the Bills game, the Eagles game, and the KC loss. It was all lopsided turnover games. Those, those good quarterbacks mm-hmm. turned the ball over. Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn the ball over. 
the, the Giants are better defensively. I think the Giants, the idea that the Giants were like one of the worst teams in the league, it came so quickly because they played five of the seven or eight top teams in the league yeah. in, their, in their first handful of games. And mm -hmm. it's like you've put them on the field with teams on their level and they've looked pretty good. The, the commanders were home or road favorites against the Giants last week, which I thought was crazy. The commanders being road favorites against anybody. Well, look at it. The, but, two, the two quarterbacks that they beat this year are Sam Howell and Josh Dobbs. The quarterback they're playing on and Sunday then, is, is Zach Wilson. And they lost to Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, Josh Allen, and Tua. Which which category does he fit in? I mean, yeah. Zach Wilson is certainly in the the category of guys they've beat. So. I think getting three is is nice for the Giants here. I, I think these teams are – I think the Jets are better, but I don't think they're a full field goal better. I, I, How about the total in this game? 36 and a half. Oh, yeah. Did I mention Tyrod Taylor and Zach Wilson are playing football against yeah. each other? The Giants' home game since 2020, 21-6-1 to the under. That's Best a, under team at home in the NFL. They have had Daniel Jones. Now, <laughs> I'm a little curious. Uh, Dalvin Cook – has said that he's frustrated with his role. Oh my god! And might seek a trade. He didn't. He's not requesting a trade, but he's open to a trade. I wonder is if, Dalvin Cook James Harden in disguise? Like he? No, he's playing. There's one guy who said we want you, and then he's like, "That's just not. I'm true. not happy with they my didn't role." Pay him like eight million dollars because no one else would pay him two. It's just not true. It's well, like who, obvious that that's not true. Mackenzie, who else wanted to pay him? It, we don't know. This is why it's private conversations. Then, Miami, maybe. Then I don't who know. is going to take? Who is going to take that salary on in a trade now? If they probably not him, they nobody. He's saying he's open to it. He's also saying yeah. he's open to not being traded and playing four snaps again. Here's what I would think. Here, <laughs> here's here, here's what I would go with in this game. I think Dalvin Cook's going to get the football this week. Why? You think because they, it's you think happened? They're going to give it to a baby, lesser player because Squeaky it's, wheel gets the it's happened. How many times now this NFL season? Have we seen the players that talk about the lack of touches Did you get bet, all did you the bet touches? Adams? Is, is this how you get into how you bet Adams over six and a uh, half it's, receptions? It's, it's, it's happened every, it's happened every, every week. There's somebody that's complaining about not getting the football, and then they get force-fed the football. I'm telling you, Dalvin Cook's complaining about touches. He's getting carries in this Solid game. don't play that. He's a backup running back. Yeah. Imagine Aiden O'Connell says, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to throw the ball enough. I'm going to demand a trade. Like, did, it, did the Raiders say, well— Take some snaps, bud. You know like, that's apples to oranges, talking about no, a quarterback versus You're a talking back. about a backup running back, a guy like I, I don't know if he's got any like the guy in front of him is clearly better. Yes. Why would they say, you know what? You're right. We're gonna give a lesser player that we're not committed to long. All I'm saying is more that snaps. if the Jets have first and goal from the four yard line, Dalvin Cook's getting a carry. That's all I'm saying. And then when he gets those two yards, <laughs> right back to the sideline. Put in the guy who can run. Yeah. The Jaguars are at the Steelers. The Jags, uh, road favorite in this one. Mackenzie, have we seen any threes yet on the board, or are we stuck at two and a half? Uh, you can pay for a three, but, yeah, we're stuck at two and a half, 20. Okay, so we got Mike Tomlin as a home dog here, AJ. It seems like your favorite spot. No, it's not. I I think the Steelers are the most smoke and mirror teams in the league. Like th this is not a four and two quality football team. Um, they win games that they have no business winning, and I'm tired of saying Jacksonville's in a letdown spot. Now Jacksonville gets extra rest coming off the Thursday game. They've got the bye week ahead of them. You know they're going to keep surging. Uh, I, I I'm starting to just believe in this Jacksonville team. I, I'm starting to think like, man, maybe they're just better than I thought they were. 
Pickett hitting all these explosive throws in the second half, that feels unsustainable. RJ brought up a really good point on the Dream Pod yesterday or on uh, Wednesday night about the first half. And Jacksonville's been significantly better than their opponents in the first half and been worse than their opponents in the second. And the reverse is true for the Steelers. The Steelers have been a great second half team for some reason. Uh, so I, I think Jacksonville in the first half is a really good look. You can get it at minus one. You can get it at minus a half some places. Um, I, I don't I don't buy Pittsburgh. I, I'm starting to think Jacksonville's just good. There's a conversation, I think it started in Pittsburgh, or it's going around the web, that uh, this Steelers team is like the Tebow Broncos team, hmm. where they have no business winning football games. But they believe. And somehow Kenny Pickett pulls a rabbit out of his hat at the end of the game, and they win. But the stats don't look good. Like nothing looks good. Nothing says that the team should be winning. But yet here they are at four and two, yep. and and they're winning games. I have a theory about their offense, and I know I'm the guy that's defending the guy that's getting railed on by every single person in the media. But maybe Matt Canada is as bad as everyone says on every show. That's why their script is so terrible in the first half. They score three points in the second half. It's just like, well, let's just call the plays where everyone goes out and finds somebody that's open, and that seems to be working because George Pickens is okay and. Maybe even pretty good. And, yeah. Kenny, and maybe Kenny Pickett has something. He did show some signs last year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Texans are at the Panthers. Houston, a three-point favorite. Uh, the winless Panthers at home. Do we think this is the week that they get their first win? Uh, this is pushing towards maybe three and a halfs. So I, if you like the Panthers, I would wait. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, again, the Texans being a a road chalk, a field goal, or maybe even more road chalk is wild to me. The Panthers switched to Thomas Brown during the bye week. First of all, I think both quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, after a bye week is something I'm looking to buy on anyway. So I think there's more offense in this game than expected. So at 43 is the total right now. I think this could be an over 43 game. But the fact that Thomas Brown took over play calling duty during the bye week, he's a McVay guy. There's going to be more pre-snap motion. You're going to see a much more modern approach. You're going to see receivers be able to get open, which they the Panthers have the least separation on plays in the league than anybody. Uh, they're still really bad, the Panthers, but I don't think that I don't think they should be three point home dogs to this Texans team. Who, again, you've got to learn how to win before you learn how to cover. Yeah. Was it you that said that, Mac? Learn how to win before you learn how to cover. I never said that. I never heard that before. I, I like that. I, I mean, the Texans. They're just getting used to winning. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just getting used to not being a total embarrassment. Let's not rush to say, they should be a field goal favorite on the road. I, I think that's a little bit much. So, uh, I, I'm bullish on the Panthers offensively going forward with Brown having control of the play calling. So, I, I like the Panthers this week. On the Dream Pod, one of my plays was Panthers in the first quarter. They're 5-1 and one against the first quarter spread this season. And defensively, they're allowing just over a field goal in the first quarter of games. What I like about this is your, and I mentioned this last night or Wednesday night on the Dream Pod, your handicap fits in with mine about Thomas Brown because mm -hmm. this, this also means there's no film on the Panthers' offense. Yeah. Like, there's no film on what they're going to be doing offensively. It's all Frank Reich film. So the first quarter may be a really good time to attack, and I, I like that bet that you've got. I like it a lot. Uh, the Browns are at the Seahawks and Seattle is the favorite in this game. Three and a half points at home. Yeah, there was a, this was a crossfire on the Dream Pod. Ooh. McKenzie and RJ both like uh, Seattle. I like Cleveland. Um, You're just jumping on that P.J. Walker bandwagon. 
Well, I mean, he's he's won two games in a row. Seems like he's doing okay. He, j- he just beat the best football team in the world. So, you know, but no, it's not really as – I mean, I think both – I think both uh, handicaps, whichever side you're coming from, you're handicapping either the lack of offense on one side or the strength of defense on, on sure. one side. And for me, it's it's the strength of this Browns defense. And Geno Smith's yards per attempt dropped five yards per attempt against man coverage. We talked about the Browns being man heavy. Uh, and it, when you when Geno's under pressure, he's the 20th best quarterback in the league. When he's not, he's the fourth best quarterback in the league as far as completion rate goes. So the Browns, they're used to being without Watson now. I don't know how much of a, an, an upgrade Watson would be from P.J. Walker, to be honest. So I'm, I'm going into this assuming that the Browns' offense is going to stink. But it's stunk all year, and their only two losses are a four-point loss at Pittsburgh when they gave up two defensive touchdowns and a start for Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who they decided, yeah, you're not playing in the NFL today again for the rest of the season. Sit down over there. Give me your helmet. So I think I think they can hang in this game. I, I don't think Seattle's going to run away from this defense. So me and RJ were on the Seahawks. My handicap is pretty simple. You look at the numbers and our power ratings, I've been pretty accurate. Should be minus four. That's where the line is moving. Matchup-wise, Seahawks' number one success rate against the Brown, against the run. Browns need to run. They're the worst passing team by dropback. EPA per play. They're an average rushing team. Once they're in third and long, I like P.J. Walker to show his true colors. And just, you talk about the two first two games. Those were the most impressive games. The recent data, the game against the Colts, have all been bad. So I think if you weigh the more recent games more heavily, Seahawks covered last week against Arizona. Maybe it's four and a half, maybe it's five. So that's why I like the Seahawks. Here. I worry about uh, Kenneth Walker, like whether or not he's going to play. I think Running backs don't matter. Well, somebody's got to run the football. And like you said, no, they did. The, the, We've seen that this year. The Seahawks, hey, have, Seahawks have to throw to succeed. And guess what the Browns do really well against the pass? You should, except for you, last week. You, except for last week. But, again, we're talking about a team that dominates against man coverage versus yeah. a team that does not. So it's certainly Wait, but, an but, interesting but we, matchup. We looked at the passer ratings. Geno Smith has a better passer rating last two years versus man coverage. Because he dinks and dunks. The, okay, I'll take that all day long. All right. We'll see if it works against the Cleveland dinks Browns. Dinks and dunks wins. Listen, I still believe Jimmy this G's, is. Look at Jimmy G's straight-up record for his career i still believe this is one of the best defenses we've seen in the last 10 years so i, okay. I I'll, I'll ride with them well one of us at this table is four points out of first place in the super contest and it's not you and i or jay so <laughs> touche my friend let's Touché. move let's move on to the chiefs at the broncos kansas city a seven point favorite on the road yeah i actually was looking for the broncos outside of seven feels like any value has been bet out of it denver i think is starting to I, I mean, I, they're improving, and it's all, you know, relative. They're, they're still really bad, but they're improving. And this is a bad spot for the Chiefs. You know, they come off the win over the Chargers, and they've got the Dolphins and Eagles in their next two games. Mm. The The good thing is, that I mean, the Chiefs never lose to the Broncos. 16 in a row, I think. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes never loses to the Broncos, but it, it, I could see Denver covering this game. Do you I, think it, the Chiefs – playing in London next week, like, has a little bit of effect on them this week? But they're playing the Dolphins. Or in Germany. Or in Germany, yes. Home of the hot dog. The Dolphins in in Germany. Like, maybe planning their trip already or something? I mean, well, think about it. They're they're playing a team they never lose to, and then next week they're going to Germany to play one of the darlings of the NFL. One of the teams. And their former best wide receivers. Yeah, I I would say that there's probably some look ahead here. Hmm. 
But doesn't Mahomes, Mahomes owns the Broncos, though? Well, he owns them straight 12, up. 12 and 0 against the Broncos. Owns them straight up. But that doesn't mean they're going to cover seven. Seven and five ATS. The Broncos do games, really? The Broncos do not, or I mean, excuse me, the Chiefs typically don't run away and hide from teams. I say that as someone who has egg on my face from last week where they ran away and hid from the Chargers. No, it was 24 17 for like the whole fourth quarter. The oh, whole third wow. fourth quarter. That was five and a half anyway. That wouldn't yeah. have covered. 24 17, I still would have lost, Mac. The Ravens are at the Cardinals, and Baltimore a heavy favorite. Nine and a half in this one. Uh, we talked about the Cardinals earlier in the year as like a team that fights. You know, they're going to be scrappy. They're going to they're give teams fits down the stretch. Are we still buying into it after the, these four consecutive losses? No. This is the least talented team in the NFL, uh, and they lost two of their best players. James Conner was averaging 5.4 yards per carry. I mean, that was huge for Josh Dobbs' success because he needs to be short down later, mm-hmm. in the, later in the drives. And now they lost Zach Ertz, who yep. was his security blanket. I mean, th- this is a terrible defensive team. The only defensive team worse if per DVOA is the Broncos. And Baltimore is now the best team in the league, per DVOA at least. Uh, I think that they can name their number against this team. Lamar, the best he, – he is the best QB in the league when he isn't blitzed. Cardinals are bottom five in blitz rate. Uh, they don't do the things that will bother Lamar Jackson. And I, I think that that win over the Cowboys gave people an excitement about this Cardinals team that is so unwarranted. They just don't have good players. And, like, there, there's no way to make up for that. My only concern is laying a big number with the Ravens. All week long, Kyler Murray's been a full participant at practice. See, that motivates them. No, I think there's a chance he could just play. He's still on the reserve pup list. Which means he can be activated at any point and, and play in a game. I, I, so I don't know. I, I, I'm saying there's a possibility. And the fact that he was a full participant and didn't have an injury designation at practice, I wouldn't want to be laying eight or nine and a half on the road against Kyler Murray. I'll just say that. Like, If there's anybody who could just show up off the streets and, and – Say, you know what, I'm just let me go schoolyard it and I'll figure it out and actually succeed. Kyler Murray's one of those guys. So that would concern me, but I still bet on the Ravens. I, I still put, put hard-earned American dollars on the Ravens to yeah. win this game by nine points. So What's interesting is Lamar Jackson dominates the NFC. He's 16-1 and one straight up against the NFC. The only loss was against the Giants last year, but he's only 8-9 and nine against the spread against I, those NFC opponents. I wonder if that's like a... a you have the ATS margin there? I mean, he just won by 40. No, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> I wonder if that's a, like, a thing where they just have, they haven't they seen him see enough. Him. Yeah. Like, the guys, it's almost like run, going against a triple option. Like, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you see it every year, you can handle it. If you yep. don't, it's, it's tough. But the ATS makes it seem like it's nothing. Like, maybe it's, maybe it's smoke and mirrors. Maybe he just happens to be in good situations. And like, playing bad teams. Yeah, 10-point yeah. favorite. I just love to see that all, the spread comes out at 7, do the power rings, do all my work, should be 10, Going to 10. Yeah. Same thing with the Seahawks game. Mm. Well, what's your rating Patting say? myself on the back a little hard here. What's your rating say about Sunday Night Football, the Chargers hosting the Bears? This one's an interesting one. It's a it great question. Don't watch. Because, <laughs> yes, it does say that. It pops out a little note. But this is a big discrepancy. The Bears aren't as bad, maybe, or maybe the Chargers are worse than people think by our numbers. We think it should be four and a half. And this is the tyson Bajent effect? Ah, that's true. It's, power ratings are not going to include that. I don't know how much of a downgrade it. I don't think it's four points. Downgrade? I'm saying how much of an upgrade is it from Justin Fields? They, me- they measured his seven-step drop. He was 1.9 seconds, which is pretty fast, faster than most. Justin Fields was 2.6. It's by far the slowest seven-step drop in the NFL. 
That's how you get sacked a lot, and he doesn't get sacked a lot so far. I wanted to back the Bears here just thinking, who do the Chargers blow out? I went back in time, and I think this is over a a 50-year span. I looked back. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I just looked at the last five times. Man, what a waste. (laughs) Well, that's anything. This is how many I found in the last 50 years that the Chargers have won a game by double digits was five times. Looked up NFL stats. Yeah. Freaking gone to Egypt. Grace False Armanax. But uh, the last five games they've won by double digits, the quarterbacks they went against, Mike Glennon, Drew Locke, Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield with the Rams, Nick Foles, and Davis Mills. What do those guys all have in common? Not starters. They are backup quarterbacks. And the Chargers are playing against a backup quarterback this week. So it kept me off of the Chargers, or it kept me off of the Bears. But the Chargers suck. I mean, Justin Herbert is no longer carrying them, like taking them from being a crappy team to an average team. Now, they like Justin Herbert's playing okay, not great. And now they just look like a crappy team. You think it's the hand? You got that hand injury versus the Raiders? I don't know. I'm not making any excuses for that guy. The hot like, girlfriend? The dude's got the lack thereof. Yeah, he's got everything he needs. He's j- <laughs> the weapons are there. They're, they're just not good. They're a poorly coached team. It's they, they stink. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1. But I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. 
The World Series begins tonight in Arlington. The Rangers hosting the Diamondbacks with Nathan Yavaldi on the mound for Texas. Zach Gowan going for Arizona. Mackenzie, what's the spread on this, and what's the series price right now up on the DraftKings Sportsbook? You're looking at minus 162 for the spread tonight and minus 170 for the series in the Rangers' direction. So the Rangers, the favorites, they have home advantage. Yeah, The offense has been incredible. Can the pitching lock it down against this feisty Arizona team? The assumption is that Max Scherzer is probably better than he was against the Astros. Now he's got a couple starts under his belt. Yep. You can maybe go a little deeper. And Jordan Montgomery and Evaldi, I feel like are they're guys I trust. Yeah. Right. You know, so um I think the pitching is good enough. I think if you're able to to do what they did to the Astros lineup. You can do that to the Diamondbacks lineup, uh, and I know the the Phillies they did a good job shutting down the uh, the the or excuse me the Diamondbacks did a good job shutting down the Phillies bats. The problem is that that Rangers lineup is so deep, like you can't shut everybody down, can you? Like they're not going to go out and throw no hitters every night. And also, it's it's and I know Philadelphia is a high scoring ballpark as well, but this is this whole series is going to take place indoors now. Yeah, and so I think there's going to be a lot more runs. And you're right. Like this, the, the Rangers' offense is potent from top to bottom because you got a guy in Josh Young batting, you know, eighth or eighth, ninth. Yeah, that is going to put it out of the ballpark. Jonah Heim, <laughs> yeah. seventh, I think. He's yeah. putting it out. Of, yeah, everybody, everybody can rake in that lineup. This so is, this is definitely a, a hard hitting lineup. Um, I do favor, uh, you know, Zach Gallen on the mound has been my guy all year. Nathan Yavaldi's had an incredible postseason. He's a postseason dude. Nathan Yavaldi has thrown 26 innings this postseason. He's allowed seven runs. He's 4-0 with a 2-4-2 ERA. He struck out 28 in those 26 innings this postseason. I think there's a lot. There's guys who are just better come playoff time. And there's Andy Pettit and Madison Baumgartner yeah. and Josh Beckett. And then there's guys who are. Clayton Kershaw, the opposite. Mm. So, I, I, to me, Nathan Uvalde's becoming one of those guys who's like, he, he, whatever he is in real life, when the lights are the brightest, mm. he's up a level. And, so, and Zach Allen, a 5.24 ERA this postseason. Yeah. That's it, not Zach Allen. And what's the number on tonight's game one? Minus 162 Rangers. Oh, okay. I, I, well... I don't know that you're going to make a lot of money fading Zach Gallon as a, a plus money favorite. No, but, but what I do like plus 148. is 148. I would take a look at the Rangers team total in the first five innings, thinking that they're going to score a couple of runs off of Zach Gallon. So the total is two and a half at plus 114 up on DraftKings right now. Here's my question about that. Mm-hmm. If this were the Astros and the Phillies, I'd say I bet there's offense early because none of the hitters have these jitters of being in their first World Series. It feels like there might be some some this is my first World Series at bat mm. type of jitters for these hitters. Is it you not think that's a, a thing? Simeon, Seeger, I mean, these are you know, it just seems like Seeger's been in a World Series. He's the only one it though. It seems like they have so much pop at the top of that lineup. And I know like the Phillies did too, but it just seemed like, you know, Zach Gowan the time to get to him is early. Yeah. You get to Gallon in the first inning. You get to Gallon the first time you face him through the lineup. The next time you face him through the lineup, that's you're fine. But like, or he's fine. But Gallon is he gives up runs early in games. Uh last start, gave up two runs to the Phillies in the first inning. The 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 start before that, 
He gave up two runs to the Phillies in the first inning. (laughs) The start before that against the Dodgers, he uh, didn't give up a run until the fourth, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) And it just like that. And then against Milwaukee, two runs in the first inning. So the Yurfi is three and one with Zach Gowan on the mound this postseason. The time to get to him is early, and I think the Rangers get to him early. Yep, I can see it. Well, good. You're on our side. Uh, Speaking of our side, Josh Towers, former Major League pitcher, will join me coming up on the Major League Baseball podcast. It'll be on this Straight Out of Vegas podcast feed coming up a little later on this afternoon with plenty of time to get your Game 1 bets in. But we're going to talk about bets for the entire series. So you don't want to miss the Major League Baseball pod on the Straight Out of Vegas podcast feed with myself and former Major Leaguer Josh Towers coming up later on this afternoon. Two games yesterday, one Power 5 game as we saw Virginia Tech dominate the Orange of Syracuse. 38-10, to 10, Syracuse falls to 0-4 in conference. Somehow, Virginia Tech is 3-1 in ACC play. Uh, that, that probably tells you more about Syracuse than it does Virginia Tech. Syracuse in a, at 4-4, four and four, it's, it's still feeling like a pretty rough season for them. Uh, in the other game, Georgia Southern ends up dominating Georgia State. That was the best bet I gave out on yesterday's pod. Uh, 44-27 winner. Georgia Southern moves to 6-2, and 3-1 and in conference. Georgia State falls to 6-2. and two. They are 3-2 and two in the belt. One game on tonight's schedule. Florida Atlantic, a four-point favorite at Charlotte. Not a strong play, but I lean to Charlotte here, catching points. I mean, this is a bad football game, two bad teams, uh, but I'd lean to Charlotte here. Looking ahead at this weekend's schedule, we'll go through a few of the big games. Most of them, if you want, if we don't talk about your game here, which we're going to talk about, truth be told, talk about like two or three games here. The rest you can hear on our college football podcast that we did earlier this week on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. But let's look at this Georgia-Florida game. 14 and a half points Georgia favored by without their best weapon is just too many points for the dogs. It seems like a lot. Um, I don't know if Florida is going to be able to run against Georgia. That's certainly going to be what they're going to try to do. Uh, if you if you just compare their wins and their losses this year, Florida's more most successful when they establish their running game. It's not one of those things where, oh, they run for yards late. Like, no, when they establish their running game early, they usually have success in football games. It takes the pressure off of Graham Mertz, it shortens the game, and it takes the football out of the hands of the Georgia offense. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Georgia's offense looks like here. I think it's too many points. I love the hook here. So getting north of two touchdowns, the 14 and a half, is a lean for me on Florida. Uh, I think that they, they can score on Georgia. I don't know if they can stop them, though. Do I think they keep it within two scores? I think the line's accurate. I think they do keep it within like this range. I love getting north of 14, though. I think there's a lot of points scored in this game. These are two slow offenses, but I think Georgia being without Bowers, they're going to have to take some shots down the field. Mm-hmm. That's the only way their offense is going to go. So, uh, And Florida's defense is bad. So I, I think that there, there's going to be some scoring in this game. One game I know we disagree on, Oregon minus six and a half at Utah. Uh, the numbers hung at six and a half for most of the week now. It opened at you seven. Know, please got, go to seven. That got please gobbled go up. Seven and a half. Like, I don't think that's – Get higher, please. You're definitely not seeing a seven and a half. Uh, Utah's so good at home. They're very solid defensively. The offense just stinks. And th- th- when you go look back, they put up seven against Oregon State, 14 against UCLA, 
20 against what we now know as a bad Baylor team and 24 against Florida, who I just told you is one of the worst defenses in the SEC. They, they put up 30 against Cal and USC. Everybody does that. Congratulations. And when you look at the, the quarterbacks that they've played, it's like Graham Mertz, Dante Moore, his, a fret, true freshman first start on the road. Baylor had a backup quarterback in the game. I just don't know that I trust what we've seen from this Utah team is real. I do believe they're the better coach team. I do believe they have a fantastic home field advantage. But I think Oregon's one of the elite teams in the country still. So I, I like Oregon minus six and a half here at Utah. Feels like this is the Pac-12 semifinals. Uh, the winner of this game will likely go on and face Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I, and don't write off Oregon State just yet. Sure, sure. But I'm just saying this this does feel like a, a Pac-12 semifinal game. So do you like Utah at seven? Is that why you wanted yes, to go there? Yes, And Because uh, I'll take the touchdown with a team that's won 18 straight home games and has the better coach and the better defense in this game. And I think that the coaching aspect is very important because the last time we saw Oregon in a big game at Washington, Dan Lanning cost his team the game. His decisions cost his team the football game. I don't know if that's true. I, I liked his decisions, honestly. I liked him being ballsy. I, I think you, you're not going to beat Washington by kicking field goals. Okay. I don't think, that, I don't think well, he makes those same decisions against a team that can't score. I agree with that. I think he mixes it up. And you know what? That's not going to – it's not going to work this time. The, the, he should – if he is the same aggressiveness that he showed against Washington, going for it on fourth down because you can't beat Washington with field goals, they're going to beat – they're going to beat Utah. But if he elects to take the points this time because he's reflecting on those mistakes and he's thinking, yeah, Utah doesn't have a high-powered offense, let's take the three. Those threes – are going to add up to Utah covering this football game. All right. We'll see. Certainly uh, certainly an interesting game. Uh, last you game. still owe me barbecue from the last time. We I know. You're up, right. So. Uh, last game we'll look at Duke and Louisville. This one's sitting at four and a half now. The number going to towards Louisville tells me Riley Leonard probably less likely to play than play. I thought he was going to play. I mean, he was begging to get back into the game against Florida State. And the truth is, had he finished that game, I think they beat Florida State last week. Uh, it, this Duke team, I trust their defense. It's certainly a game that you, you got to be careful about it, because if Riley Leonard doesn't play, it's hard to want to back uh, Duke. But I, I don't believe in Louisville. I think they're fraudulent. So if if they if you find out on game day that Riley Leonard's playing anything above a field goal, I like. If you find out he's not playing and this pushes up to six and a half or seven, I probably still like Duke there. I think there's just a lot of injury concern on both sides. Uh, Louisville running back Jawar Jordan yep. is questionable for this game. So I can't back – I don't want to back Louisville without their leading rusher, and I don't want to back Duke without their quarterback. So there's just too much injury news that's up in the air, and college football is always the worst when it comes to injuries because we can find out five minutes before a game that a guy who had no nothing wrong with him is not playing, and we can find out five minutes before a game that a guy – I'm looking at you, Air Force, Zach Larrier – that was out the whole week yeah. all of a sudden is starting at quarterback. So uh, I would hold off on to this game until Saturday right before kickoff. Well, like I said, you want to hear our analysis on all the top 25 games as well as our best bets for the week. Check out R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, the college football podcast from this week. Two games in the NBA last night, and boy, both of them close games, competitive games. Bucks 118-117 winners over the 76ers Damn. without James Harden. Damn. Mac, what'd you take away from the first episode of the Dame Show in, in Milwaukee? 
He looked elite. He had his best season of his career last year by any metric, scoring per game, true shooting. And he kind of had a rough preseason. There were some questions, a lot of investment, $60 million a year. He looks worth every penny. And this game it ended up being one-point game, but the Bucks seemed in control the whole time, uh, up 22 early in the first half before it got closer. But, uh, yeah, it's all about Dame. He looked incredible. I mean, this is – I know people have said – Chris Middleton was the, the 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 Robin to Batman with Giannis. This is the first time Giannis has had an elite player to to pair up with, and he won a title without one. Not many not many yeah. people have done that. Not many people have gone and won a title with one real superstar. I guess Denver just did it, yeah. but it's it's been a rare thing over the last twenty sure. something years. Now he's got a secondary guy who this team is good. Man, they are scary. Uh, they are, and and they've got the ancillary pieces that they've got. Like now that Chris Middleton's an ancillary piece, but even Brooke Lopez, like that's a a veteran presence. Jay it's Crowder, got, Bobby Portis, dude. Yeah, I, this is a good team. I, they're really good, man. So, um, I, I it, listen. It's a one point win over a, a shorthanded Sixers team. So I guess maybe we should give credit to the Sixers. Uh, Maxi tried to carry the load for for Harden. Um, but it was not the most efficient night for Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris, eight of nine from the field, somehow minus 14 in the plus minus. So (laughs) that's probably pretty rare. But, um, yeah, there were some guys who – some guys came up big, and and some of the role players, Harris, uh, Oubre, these guys came up big for the Sixers just wasn't enough because they didn't get enough from their key guys. Yeah. You look at, like, just plus minus – Dame Lillard plus 12 on the court, Chris Middleton plus 14 in a minute's restriction. It felt like when they needed to put their guys in, they were going to salt it away. They did make a game out of it. Though. The Lakers outscore the Suns 28-11 to 11 in the fourth quarter. Get Still a, don't cover. Get a 100-95 to 95 win over the shorthanded Phoenix Suns. Uh, what was the takeaway from this game? I, and I, I mean – all hail Kevin Durant, by the way, for keeping him in this thing, but he just wasn't enough to do it all by himself. So a couple things. First of all, someone had this on Twitter. Sorry for not giving you credit, but it's a good point. Three days into the season, we have two games on primetime TV. Both of them are possible violations for resting all-star players <laughs> for no particular reason. I know Devin Booker had was questionable for game one, so maybe he aggravated it. Didn't seem like that. It just seems like they didn't want him to play, but... The joyous side of this game and, the, and tonight is that Kevin Durant and LeBron James, two of the best players of the generation, play together in a basketball game for the first time since 2018. And Kevin Durant was amazing, but hard to do it for 48 minutes. At least it was for him tonight. He completely couldn't come up with anything in the fourth quarter. They had three points through like the first 10 and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, then they ended up with 11. But yeah, that was, they, he just completely ran out of gas. He was the best player on the floor. But the uh, Lakers were better overall. Yeah, LeBron James, who they've said they wanted to keep at around 30 minutes per game, played the entire fourth quarter, scored 10 of – I, I got to be careful. McKenzie might get jump on me for this. <laughs> I, I'm scared to say anything nice about LeBron. But LeBron scored 10, <laughs> 10 of his 21 points in the fourth quarter, played the entire fourth quarter, ended up playing five minutes more than they said that they wanted well, to limit him to. When you take steroids, you should be the most best-conditioned athlete in the fourth quarter. Okay. Right? I'm are on steroids it? right now. Are exactly. Get... Look how strong he is. Are we well, giving... no, that, that's for my sinus infection. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> are we giving LeBron any credit for, for coming up big in the, in the late moments here? Absolutely. Played great game. Yeah, so, I mean, this is – La- Yeah, 21-9. and nine. The Lakers are interesting. I texted McKenzie last night. He's as night. good right now as Magic Johnson maybe ever was. I texted McKenzie last night. I saw uh, Tim Legler on SportsCenter, 
and he came on and said there are only five teams who have a real chance to win the NBA title. And yeah. he's that every year. He said there's a few teams where like if they have no injuries, I could see it. But he's like, the likelihood that they'll have no injuries is almost zero. And I want to say that was Philly, Golden yeah. State, and the Pelicans, which the Pelicans even. It should be the Clippers, too. Uh, maybe he did say the Clippers, too. So those teams. But the teams that he said, Celtics, Bucks, Lakers, Suns, Nuggets. So, McKenzie, I'll ask you, is mm. that is that a fair list? No, it, it's a media list. It's a list with the four real contenders and the Lakers. Yeah, why okay. are the Lakers in that list? They're 0-2 ATS. They were freaking middling for most of last year. They won two playoff series. They won zero games in round three. Uh, I know Bill Simmons loves the Lakers, lives in L.A. Just seems like you're a team to talk about. I think they're a top-10 team, top-8 team. They're not a serious contender, no more than the Clippers are. Is it? It's always weird to me that no one ever talks about the Miami Heat Yet every year, the Miami Heat are in like the final four of the playoffs. And, I, you know, they haven't won it yet, at least yeah. not this iteration of no. them. But it feels like you keep knocking on the door, eventually you get in, in right? In 2020, I'm like, there's no talent on this team. They're a two-man team. They're in the finals. 2022, somehow made the conference final. Somehow were the number one seed. And then last year, three upset victories in the playoffs. They're, they're the zombie Heat. Speaking of Bill Simmons, that's a good nickname. They, you don't understand it, but they keep coming for you. Is there a team that he left off his list that should be on it? Uh, the Knicks. I mean, there are, teams, there are teams like the Lakers, like the Clippers and the Warriors, that I could imagine them winning it, but it's probably because the Suns or the Celtics or somebody else got hurt. The Lakers There's should just probably, a clear second tier there. The Lakers should probably belong more in that category of if their injury luck works. Because yeah. if LeBron and AD play 70 games apiece, 75 games apiece, I could see that. I could see a world where the Lakers are really good. Yeah, but, that's, but, that doesn't but happen. But they don't have to. The regular season's meaningless. Yeah, they need as to, long as they're healthy in the playoffs, they'll be they'll be competitive. I think they would need one of these teams like the Suns and the and the Nuggets to to get uh to get injured. I don't think they're I don't think they could beat that team straight up. The either, Lakers either are a team teams. that's gonna win the midseason tournament and then claim that they're the best team in the NBA. And then for, we'll forget about that. We'll when we'll forget about that midseason tournament win when they get knocked out in the playoffs in the first round. Let's take a look at tonight's slate, see if McKenzie's got any best bets for us here. Let's start with the 0-1 Pistons at the 1-0 Hornets. Charlotte, a four-point favorite. Best bet, Charlotte Hornets. Is it really? Yes. Oh, right off the jump. All right, well, there you go. What do you like about them? Uh, they looked like a team with a real clear identity on offense. LaMelo Ball coming back. He's playing about 30 minutes a game, but he's looked like a real point guard. He was kind of a chucker last year. Looked like a real point guard. P.J. Washington, they paid him. He's in the fold. And Brandon Miller, talking about... These NBA uh, struggles for rookies, Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama. He was billed as the most NBA-ready rookie. He looked like the most NBA-ready rookie. Very efficient role player, five for nine. Uh, I think they're a lot better than people think. I mean, this is a team that won 43 games last year. I think they're going to win much more than their 30-and-a-half projection. And the Pistons, on the other hand, have the opposite problem. Mm -hmm. Wiseman and Bagley were supposed, both, were supposed to be starting. They were competing for starting. But neither of them are starting. They have a new head coach. Monty Williams, highest-paid coach in the league. He's trying to establish a culture. That's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. I think Jaden Ivey, only 17 minutes in the, in the first game. I feel like they're figuring things out, which is good long-term, but it's not good short-term. I think something you said about Brandon Miller struck me because you said Wimanyama and Scoot Henderson both being asked to play major roles yeah. for their team. Right. Neither one of them played college basketball. Brandon Miller played a pretty high level of college basketball in the SEC. 
maybe he's just, and they're not asking him to carry a team. Like it feels like he's in just a much better situation than yeah. either of those guys, which I listen. That's one of the reasons why I said, I like Chet Holmgren more than women Yama for a rookie of the year, because mm-hmm. a, he's on a better team. B no one's looking at Chet Holmgren and saying, you've got to save us. Chet Holmgren might be like the third or fourth best player on his team. Right. So I think he's in a good spot. Uh, Nuggets are at the Grizzlies. Nuggets laying five. We know the Grizzlies are banged up. Uh, is this is this number short with the the defending champs coming to town? Short. Uh, I, I mean, maybe so. It's it's giving a lot of respect to Denver. It opened up three and now it moved to five. But more more than giving respect to Denver, who obviously just won the championship, one of the elite teams in the league. I think this is saying the Grizzlies might be fugazis. Like. They were very good without John Morant for a long time. They were like 35 and 10 the last two years or something like that, 35 and 15. They had Tyus Jones that whole time. They had a backup point guard that knew the system that felt uh, connected. Marcus Smart did not look like that role in, in the game one. And Steven Adams, they were much worse last year with him out. He's gone. I think he's a big – He's a. they might be a down arrow team. We talk about them being so great defensively and then having John Morant, but – I think Steven Adams, like, he's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. They've got a guy who does that. But I think Steven Adams is, like, a real linchpin. And when you talk about a team's identity and the Grizzlies being, like, this hard-nosed, tough team, he's, like, the identity of that team. For sure. So him being out, to me, is a a huge deal. So I'm looking to fade the Grizzlies right now. Scott's New York Knicks, one-and-a-half-point dogs at Atlanta. I'm not crazy about either of these teams, Mac. Interesting. Why, why are you not, why are you pessimistic on the Hawks? I don't know. I, I guess the Hawks are a team with a a superstar player that I feel like is limited, is going to not get you where you hope a superstar player is going to get you. And I, maybe I'm a hater uh, on Trey Young, but I feel like that's a guy who's going to put up a lot of numbers. How do you feel about him at Oklahoma? I did not like him at Oklahoma no. either. I feel like he's he a guy – he's going to put up a lot of numbers that end up being meaningless over the course of his career. Like we're going to look at him and go, wow – I put up a lot of great regular season stats and made the playoffs like four times. <laughs> he made this point on a podcast over the summer. Everyone says that the Hawks got fleeced by the Mavericks when they traded him. I would say that. Luka Doncic is a much better player. His career numbers and his career success has been very similar. He made one conference finals in which he had a heroic playoff run, and so did Luka Doncic, and both of them have missed the playoffs in, in, in other years. Or I don't know if the Hawks have missed the playoffs, but they've – yeah. So – I'm I'm still a believer in Trey Young. I think that kind of offense can still uh, that kind of fire. You can you can build a team around that. You can bring in defensive players, and more than that, I like Quinn Snyder. He won five games over his win total on average in Utah in a very combustible situation with two star players yeah. that did not like each other. He figured it out. I like this Hawks team a lot, uh, and, and I like them here. This is saying they're even teams. Uh, Knicks were a pretty good team. And I think the Hawks are right there with them. So I, I think the line is about right. Heat catching eight and a half at Boston. The Heat survived game one, it felt like, more than anything, playing against the Pistons. Uh, I mean, the, Cade Cunningham misses a, a last-second shot, or we're talking about the Heat starting off 0-1. Uh, does, do you like them catching eight and a half, or is that just not enough here? No, uh, it's too much. I mean, it's, it's run. It, it opened four and a half, and my my argument then was, how is this different from last year's playoff team? If anything, the Celtics have gotten better, the Heat have gotten worse. We saw a seven, seven and a half. I know game seven closed like five and a half. But still, it, it, the Vegas market does not say, oh, the Heat beat the Celtics. The Heat are the better team. Everybody else was wrong. They take a deep breath. They say that's more data. Put it into the system. And the Celtics are still better. And 
they look a lot better with Porzingis. He looks to be like a real difference oh, maker. Oh boy, for them. does he! So yeah, eight points makes sense to me. Two teams I'm bullish on: the Thunder and the Cavs. Cleveland minus three and a half at home. If anything, I think I might lean to the Thunder here. I, I feel really, like, I, I think that, I feel like the Thunder are a team that not a lot of people are talking about. That's probably better than what their expectation is. They're 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 a team that is had a straight line upward from where they were expected to be two years ago. They keep beating expectations. I think uh, Dan Galt is like 60% ATS in his short career. Uh, so I wouldn't bet against him. But this number seems pretty short. I know Darius Garland is questionable. Jar- Jarrett Allen's still out. But uh, the Cavs are supposed to win 50 games this year. Thunder's supposed to win 43, I think he closed that. Uh, so it should be it should be a bigger difference, but the injuries makes it makes it so. Well, here's my let me ask you a question that you bring up win totals. When you're comparing win totals, do you weigh a Western Conference team versus an Eastern Conference team? Like a, a Western Conference team's win total, yeah, like being higher than uh, or an uh, an Eastern being higher than a Western makes sense in most cases, right? So like. Do you do you give those Western Conference teams a little bit of a bump in a power ratings because yeah. they're they're playing against tougher teams? This year, I actually do it scientifically. I have all the games uh, and I have my power ratings spit out projections. So who you're playing is going to affect your win percentage on any given night. Uh, so yeah, that definitely factors in. I would say it's probably about a game and a half. An average Western team should win uh, less because they play in the West versus the Eastern game. The Chicago Bulls coming off their players only meeting well, after losing now. their first game. They're now two point favorites. Hosting the Raptors was the meeting. Does this set them up for a big win here? I really am curious. I would love to be a fly on the wall. I think DeRozan <laughs> might have just been like, "Hey, where do you guys want to go? Like, well, let's, like, let's uh, for dinner." <laughs> we no, I mean, like, like, where do you want to be traded? Like, this is this is over, right? Like, this is obvious. Like, this is an experiment where we topped out at an eighth seed. Uh, there's some talent on this team, but it seems like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe their blood, sweat, and tears all in for Chicago. Uh, I don't see it. The Raptors, on the other hand, I, I think I saw I saw some light from them, and they, they never really quit last year, uh, even though they were kind of out of it. So I, I kind of like the Raptors here as dogs. Rockets at the Spurs. Someone's O has got to go. One of these teams is going to win. Uh, Spurs, a two-point home favorite here. So they're saying they're even teams. <laughs> it's interesting. It's a good comparison. Spurs added Victor Wembanyama, most famous player in the world at the moment, maybe. No, I mean, you know what I mean. Houston added two unfamous players, Fred Van Bleet and Dylan Brooks and paid him a lot of money. I would say, as my NBA for my NBA analyst chair, the Rockets added a lot more talent as far as who's going to win this year. These are what evens teams last year. The market says it's about the same additions. I think I got to lead in the Rockets here. Nets are six point dogs at Dallas. Uh, Luca coming off that triple double in the first game. Cam Thomas carried the load for Brooklyn. Almost beat the Cavs. Couldn't quite get to the window though. Clippers are at the Jazz. Clippers. We mentioned. When they're healthy, and right now they're healthy, yeah. uh, they are three-and-a-half-point road favorites. The Jazz are a team, we talked about this a little, like they exceeded expectations last year. What are the odds they do that again? They're not a very talented team. No. Uh, at some point, you're, you, you are what your talent is. Is this a good spot for the Clippers to run away a little? Yeah, they don't have any guards, and the Clippers have forwards that are going to guard your bad guards and steal the ball a bunch of times. The Clippers are actually the number one team, if you look at, Garbage time adjusted net rating through one game. But it tells you a lot that they won by 12, but they actually won by like 35. I am not an NBA expert by any means. I am 3-0-1 in my NBA betting so far this Pretty season. Good. Can't beat that. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got the Lakers. Undefeated. We got the Lakers under Let's go. last night. Called it, that out on yesterday morning show. Mar- market went against us, Mac. But no. what happened? 
I'm starting to think the market's just like wrong. Like they should read my freaking picks. I mean, we won by twenty. We, it was under by twenty something points. Like you was, guys bought those points. Yeah, like, and yeah, what kept me off it? I didn't get, didn't give it to my clients, and I, and I didn't bet it. The bookmaker lean has been so wrong this year. The like the sharpest book in the world is always at two twenty seven when everybody else is at two twenty six and a half. They've gotten so many of these these leans wrong. Well, I'm gonna give you the Hoffman lean. All right, I'm, yeah, the I'm, real lean. I'm not qualified to give out best bets, quote unquote best bets on the NBA, but I made an NBA wager. I'm going with the Orlando Magic minus two and a half at the Blazers. What I saw out of the Magic in their first game was domination. They they they're a fringe playoff team. I think they're a, a middle of the road team. And they smacked around the Rockets, like especially late in that game. They started to pull it. They looked like a real basketball team. They've got the two best players in this game with Ben Caro and, and Wagner. What are the Blazers? The Blazers are like a big pro. It's a long-term project. Yeah. I think the Blazers are going to be bad for a good while. Uh, I think the Magic on laying less than less than three. I feel like that's a, a good bet. Again, yeah. like not qualified to make it a best bet. It's a bet for me. It's the Hoffman lean. Do with that what you will. But I am 3-0 and this season so I think far. it's a good bet. I think you're going to 4-0. and Again, Portland was the worst team in the first game, and it doesn't really show. They lost by 12. They were nine-point underdogs. No, they were like the worst team. They were down by 40 early. Scoot Henderson looks like he's not in the G League anymore. Uh, I like the magic here. One of the most interesting matchups on the board, the final matchup on ESPN uh, tonight, Warriors at the Kings. The Kings are three-point favorites. This is a great home team against a team. Well, at least last year was a great home team against a bad road team. Uh, at least last year was a bad. At least last last year was a bad road team. What do you make of this matchup? This line is incredible to me. I've been bearish on the Warriors last couple of days. I didn't like what I saw against Phoenix, but still, wasn't that long ago? What six months ago? This game seven at Sacramento. Both teams needed it like blood. It was a pick'em, and now the same teams. No real big roster changes. Well, Draymond's gone. Oh, and yeah. you've added Chris Paul. That's, I mean, it, it, you're right. <laughs> and, and you lost Jordan Poole. So there has, but I mean, power ratings wise, I don't, I don't think there's been that major of a difference, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the market might be seeing what I'm seeing. And Chris Paul, beginning of last year, he started to look like, a, like he was done, and he didn't look great in his first game, four for 15. I think they're making a mistake letting Chris Paul being, be such a big part of the offense. I, I, don't, I can't stress enough. I, you can't do that. Like, you can't give this guy free reign to shoot when he wants to, especially on this team. It, it just shouldn't happen. Him having more shot attempts than Wiggins is crazy to me. Like, just tell him, hey, don't – no, you you move the ball around. You're that guy now. You're the move the ball around to Steph guy. Yeah, that's your role now. Yeah, so, six threes, 0 for 6. Not good. Yeah, not, not, the, uh, not the same guy. That's this NBA slate for Friday. You can hear the NBA pod, pregame.com's Let's NBA go. podcast – Tell, tell the people about the pod. It's a new pod this year. Yes, it's a new pod, but it's the same old pod. Me and Sleepy have done it for two years. We each have been profitable in each of those two years. Now we can take a seat back, relax, and focus on the handicap because we're bringing in Munaf, great host, bringing in and talking. Uh, we do player props, we do sides, and we win uh, each year we've done it. So we're going to keep it going. And we just recorded our first episode for Friday's Slate. And uh, well, our, our, our first episode was like a 10-hour deep dive on every single team that will never see the light of day for legal purposes, but uh, it's not true. But uh, yeah, we recorded the first episode for air Friday, and we got some best bets. Definitely check it out. All right, there you go. You can find that on RJ Bell's Dream Preview, or you can find it on this very feed straight out of Vegas.
And then there was one. Who? The Vegas Golden yes. Knights BGK. stand BGK. tall. BGK. <laughs> despite not playing last night. They didn't need to. They are the lone undefeated team remaining in the NHL. Last night, we had the Boston Bruins falling in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks 4-3 and the Colorado Avalanche losing in Pittsburgh 4-0 both suffering their first defeats of the season. So Vegas stands alone at 7-0. and And that's where we will begin today's slate, which begins early, a 3 o'clock afternoon matinee here in Vegas on Nevada Day. Uh-oh. It's Nevada Day today. Why are we working this morning? It's Nevada. My kids didn't have to go to school today. It's Nevada Day. Sure. We should be celebrating. There's a parade in Carson City. Like we should, you know, we should be celebrating Nevada Day. Yeah, my uh, my oldest son's got like a in three or four hours has a baseball game. Yeah, they're just in the middle of the day. They're playing baseball. Good for him. And there's going to be a, a big ceremony. Heck with school. Big celebration at T-Mobile today uh, for Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks coming into town, but. Uh, I did read that all of the Vegas mascots mm-hmm. are going to be at the game today. Meaning like the Raider? Ra- the Raider mascot, the Aviators, the oh, Henderson Silver Knight guy. The a- every Vegas mascot is going to be at the game. Even the Aces mascot? Hanging out with Chance, Damn. the Vegas Golden Knights mascot. So. Good for them. And, and, yeah, it's going to be a fun fun game. That's Vegas. called home ice advantage, boys. Vegas home is a massive advantage. favorite, minus 335. Let me ask you guys. Chicago comes into town for a an afternoon game, and they don't play again until Monday in Arizona. Hmm. Oh, that's right there. Yeah, it seems, they, they might as well just stay here. It seems like they, I think they are. Feels like uh, they're going to be – it feels like maybe they're thinking about the table that they got reserved tonight. Rather than the game that they're playing this afternoon. I don't know if I want to fade them more tonight <laughs> or, or Monday. Against, yeah, or Monday. I, I, it's The Vegas flu is usually the game after. Yeah. But I think they get the early Vegas flu. Speaking of the Las Vegas, Nevada flu, on Nevada Day, I should say this. A lot of people don't know this. We started in Arizona. Vegas was founded and it was Arizona. But they didn't like gambling, so we chose freedom. Thank you, Nevada. For accepting us, we'll never let you go. Suck at Arizona. Yep. VGK <laughs> uh, minus 335 tonight. Or this oh, afternoon I think they win over the Blackhawks. I think they win. I think they're going to eight and zero. Scott, the Devils host the Sabers. New Jersey's minus one ninety five over Buffalo. The Wild. Vicky Valancourt is the Devil. Yes, the Va- the Wild are at the Capitals. Washington minus one fifteen. The O six and one Sharks played last night. Lost again. They have not won a game yet this season. They are at the Hurricanes tonight, where Carolina is minus three sixty five. What happens first? VGK loses, San Jose wins. I think, wow, it's a good question. I think VGK <laughs> loses first. Oh, you're crazy. They're going to 82-0. and 0, so. See, This is why we're on the bandwagon. You're <laughs> the, over there. The only reason yeah. I say we're that. We're 7-0 over here. The only reason I say that is because, see, I'm, I'm using the odds in my favor because they both play today, but then Vegas plays tomorrow and San Jose plays on Sunday. So I got to just, like, literally have a better chance. I have a better chance yeah. of yeah. it happening. It's called math. You know, <laughs> all right. Look it up. I don't believe in math. I just believe in BGK. <laughs> uh, the Blues are at the Canucks. Vancouver is minus 180. I like the dog here in, in St. Louis. Uh, Vancouver returns home after a five-game road trip, seeing them go to Ed- from Edmonton to Philadelphia to down to Tampa, cross the state to Sunrise, Florida, 
heading over to Nashville, Tennessee, and now flying back up to Vancouver. What does Fez call it? The check the mail, the check the mail game, <laughs> yeah. right? First game home. Man, meanwhile, the Blues, who are playing the second end of a back-to-back. Just got to mow the lawn. There's a lot of things to do. But they were in Winnipeg. Then they went to Calgary. Now it's a 90-minute flight to Vancouver. The backup goalie played last night, so the starters playing tonight. Seems like a good spot to back the uh, Blues. Maybe a DraftKings dog of the day. Let's go. And the Kings are at the Coyotes in L.A., a minus 135 favorite. L.A. has been a high-scoring team this year. They're also allowing a ton of goals. They're just an over team. Let me give you these results in L.A.'s first six games of the season. Seven goals, 11 goals, six goals, oh, low scoring, 10 goals, six goals, low scoring, and nine goals. So in six games, the lowest amount of goals we've seen in an L.A. Kings game has been six twice. I don't know about you, but if you're taking the over six and a half, Seems like that's, uh, I don't know, four and two. Yeah. And the two that you lost, you had six. So, Carol Vamelka in net for the uh, Coyotes tonight. Cam Talbot likely going for the Kings. But just something to consider when you look at the L.A. Kings. They are an over team for sure. It is a big fight weekend in Abu Dhabi. Tyson Fury minus 1,400. I'll tell you this. Bridge jumper bet. Tyson Fury was minus 2,000 on Thursday morning. Ooh, some money coming in on Nganu. Money coming in on Nganu. You can get him at plus 750 at DraftKings. So, uh, obviously, this is... This fight is for nothing, right? It's, I mean, it's Francis Ngannou's boxing debut. Yeah, yeah, fighting yeah, the heavyweight but, champion yeah, yeah. of the world. So, so <laughs> this I'm, fight is for both of them to make a lot of money. Yeah, I'm just going to say this. Like, I don't recommend bridge jumper bets, but is the heavyweight champion of the world going to lose an exhibition fight? Well, the people are saying, well, Francis Ngannou is the hardest puncher ever. Is the heavyweight champion of the world going to lose an exhibition fight? It's hard for me to imagine. Uh, I will say... What's wrong with you people? This is supposed to be an exhibition! Remember when... Rocky IV? Tyson Fury Fury fought against uh, Deontay Wilder. And Deontay Wilder was not superbly skilled boxer. No, he's the bronze ball. But he was the hardest hitting dude in boxing. Now we're taking a guy who is less of an elite boxer than than Deontay Wilder. And Deontay Wilder's team had to throw in the towel against Tyson Fury. So, uh, listen, I, I think t- there's there's no way I'm going to bet Ngannou here. Here's the way I'm going to get after this bet, though. Well, you know what? I'll let you give yours first. You have a, a, a yeah, bet on this as well. I'm going under five and a half rounds. It's minus 125 up on DraftKings. Um, I think that Tyson Fury is going to put on a show, which might have this thing going longer because he is an ultimate showman. But when it comes down to it, he his hands are too fast. He he punches too hard. And Francis Ngannou has never had to defend a puncher like this for this long. In his 20 UFC fights, he's only seen the fifth round twice. And going five rounds in the UFC where I understand, like, yeah, the the wrestling and all that stuff. But you can also take some time to lean up against the cage when you're in the the grapple and catch your breath a little bit. Like, when you got to stand up toe-to-toe, there's no hiding from Tyson Fury's fists. Like, he's not going to be able to defend this. Like, they're going to stop this fight at at some point before the five-and-a-half rounds finishes with Tyson Fury winning by TKO. 
He's not going to, maybe he's not going to knock him out where like he's down for the 10 count, but there's going to be a, a point where the ref's going to stop in because Ngannou's just not defending himself anymore. What's your payout on this? Minus 125. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bold here. I'm going to throw out a plus 650 bet here. Tyson Fury. By, by uh, submission? No, that would be wild. That would be called a disqualification. Tyson Fury to be knocked down and win the fight, plus 650 at DraftKings. Francis Ngannou does hit hard. So it's got to be like an official knockdown. It's got to be an official knockdown. What if he goes down to a knee to, like, catch his breath? It's up to the ref. If the ref calls it a knockdown, it's a knockdown. If it's a slip, it's a slip. But if you get knocked to a knee. That was a slip. If it's if you get knocked down, wasn't a knockdown. That was no knockdown. I'm the heavyweight champ. Wasn't no knockdown. It was a slip. Well, I mean, then he comes back and wins the fight. I think he wins the fight. I think he could get knocked down. I think he's going to win the fight anyway. So basically, I'm going from minus fourteen hundred on him to win to plus six fifty if he wins and happens to hit the mat once. Give me that bet. So once he goes down, you won. Game over. Like, you think, unless yeah. he goes down and he's asleep. And, all, all, <laughs> and then yeah. I'm just screwed anyway. All but at least I didn't put minus 1,400 yeah. on it. All it yeah. takes is for him to be, like, dancing and, like, trying to be, like, a showboat. And then Ngannou catching him one time. Yeah. yeah. And it can happen. I mean, it, Deontay Wilder's caught him before. It can happen. But he's going to get up and win the fight. He, he's not going to lose to Deontay or to, to, to Francis Ngannou. So there you go. By the uh, way, Tyson Fury to win by TKO is... Uh, Minus one sixty five win by knockout plus one sixty for him. If you just want to bet him to win by knockout TKO or DQ minus five fifty. That sounds about right. Tyson Fury by decision is plus six hundred. There's no way this fight goes. To this. I don't know. I mean, it's it's There's no way. Well, a draw is plus twenty five hundred. Here's the now. Thing. If you believe in fixed outcomes and showmanship, the draw plus twenty five hundred. Oh God. I mean, you remember when uh, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather had a draw? Yeah, and Mayweather held him up. Yeah. I hope this isn't what that is. Yeah. I hope that l- – l- listen, I honestly hope that Tyson Fury obliterates him, and it's like – There's a difference. See, Mayweather is a retired fire. Fighter. And that was an exhibition. And that was an exhibition. Tyson Fury is the heavyweight champ of the world and has a monster fight coming up. Like, That's true. Eventually, when yeah. somebody can fight – when somebody decides to face him. The thing is, though, when you fight at heavyweight, you get hit and you can go down. Like the the if you're you're talking about some of the strongest dudes in the world, your chin can only handle so much. So, uh, I, I hope that someone does get obliterated here, so we can say, okay, at least it was real. Uh, but who knows? I, I, I'm I'm cautious about this. I would not wager a lot of money on this fight because who knows what's what in this thing. I'm not trying to point any fingers at a place where things dirty might be going on. They're doing this in a foreign country, I think, for a reason. Uh, in, in, a, in a country, mind you, that's like the richest country in the world. They're just they're flush with money. Wouldn't shock me if some, you know, yeah, Arabian but, prince said, uh, I'm paying this much money for this fight to happen the way I want. No, but the they thing, got the but, rock to come out of retirement. But they're also, <laughs> but, but Fury is fighting Usyk. That's yep. the big fight. And that fight's going to be in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So, like, th- he can't lose. Where's this in Abu Dhabi? Abu Dhabi. He can't lose in Abu Dhabi and then fight again in Saudi Arabia. It's not going to happen. All right. I think you're right. But uh, I do think that he could go down. Plus 650. That's my uh, that's my wager here to wrap up this week. Make sure you guys go to pregame.com. Check out the packages we have available for you. Daily best bets up and locked and loaded 
You can take advantage of those or sign up for a season-long subscription package. Like, the NBA season just started, and we got NBA season all-access. College basketball is about to start. So jump on board a college basketball season all-access. You can save $50 on either an NBA season all-access or college basketball season all-access. Use the promo code STREAK50 at pregame.com to save $50 off either basketball package. For Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.